Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. We are in our second week of our series named Called, Called, Called. The series is called Called, it's named Called, where we are looking at the different ways in which God calls us and what it means to be called. As followers of Jesus, how are we called to live our lives? How are we called to be in relationship with the people around us? How are we called to be in relationship with God? How are we called to move away from the different parts of our lives that hurt ourselves or others? How is God refining us, turning us into a better, fuller, holier version of ourselves? Last week, Ken shared with us about how we are called to self-care and that we are never alone, even when all seems lost. We can always lean on God in our times of trouble. And today, we're looking at how we are called to connection, relationship. And we all have experiences with relationship. We all have people in our lives, some more frustrating than others. But yet we are still called to connect. And that's what we're going to be unpacking today. So before I begin, I invite you to join me in prayer. Loving God, right now I just pray for your spirit to come over us in this place this morning. God, we pray for your spirit to enter our hearts, enter our minds, and speak to us in a new way. Father God, may all of us walk away transformed after this service today. May your truth prevail, God. May it not be my wisdom, but God, may it be yours. May it not be my words, but God, may it be you speaking through me. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, there's a great book I read a little while ago. I've, I've spoken about it before. It's called A Relational Soul. And it's written by a couple of Christian guys. A counselor by the name of Dr. Richard Plass and a spiritual director by the name of James Cofield. And right at the beginning of the book, they state their overarching thesis for, for the book. And this is what it says. At the core of our being is this truth. We are designed for relationship, and we are defined by our relationships. We were born with a relentless longing to participate in the lives of others. Fundamentally, we are relational souls. We are relational souls. And I think that there is a lot of truth in this statement. As humans, we are hardwired 
to be in relationship with other people, the people around us. We are made for connection. And I think that this is part of the reason why the COVID-19 pandemic hit the world so hard. The isolation and the separation from other people that came with the pandemic was gut-wrenching and heart-aching for so much of us. It revealed to us just how important it is to be connected. When we lost our sense of community with other people, a lot of us, including myself, really, really struggled. It was tough. Our souls yearned to be back in meaningful relationship with other people, and we realized just how central to our well-being and our survival being in relationship and being connected is. Before I continue, I want to circle back to the statement I read just before. We are designed for and defined by relationships. I'm just going to dig into this a little bit more to lay a bit of groundwork, lay the foundation for later on. So firstly, how are we designed for relationships? Now, if I were to survey the room, I'm sure a lot of us, if not all of us, I'd probably barter that all of us have felt lonely at some point in our lives. Loneliness is an emotion that everybody feels, and unfortunately, the frequency that it's occurring within people is on the rise. Between 2001 and 2009, 33% of Australians recounted a time of feeling lonely over a decade before the pandemic. And since the pandemic, that number has jumped up to over 50%. And I think these figures are indicative of our need to be connected and to stay in relationship. Not only that, but scientific research has shown that being in healthy relationships and being connected to a good group of people has a multitude of health benefits, including reducing mental health issues, reducing the risk of dementia later in life, boosting immune systems, lowering blood pressure, helping recover from disease, and it even helps with sleeping. And I think with all these health benefits, it only makes sense that we were made, we were designed to be in relationship. We were designed to be connected to other people. But beyond science, even the Bible tells us that we are made for relationship and connection. In the creation story in Genesis, we read about God creating Adam, and then he created Eve. But why did he have to create Eve? Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And the term helper in the context of this passage is not said in a way to demean, diminish, or make Eve less than Adam. There's my PowerPoint. Wonderful. It's uh, not made to make Eve lesser than Adam, but rather is meant more along the lines of companion. Eve was made to be a companion for Adam. Not just to help him maintain Eden, but to help him reach his fullest potential. To draw out the best in him. And in a similar way, Adam would do the same for Eve. From the beginning, God planted in us a need 
to be in relationship with other people and to be connected. It is not good for us to be alone. The authors of the book I mentioned before go far as to say that we are unable to reach our full potential as humans without connection. Without being connected to other people, we will never reach our fullest potential. To take it a step further, Scripture also tells us that we are made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And to be made in the image of God is to be made like God. And we know that God is a deeply relational God. He is deeply connected to the different parts of himself. We believe that, and the way that we understand God is that he is a triune God, and that he is three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, come together to make one God. And all three of these distinct yet deeply connected parts is how we understand God. And so I think if one of God's defining characteristics is that he is a relational God, I think it only makes sense that we would follow suit. If we were made in the image of God, just as God is intrinsically relational, so are we. So that's how we're designed, by, designed for relationships. Now looking at how we're defined by our connection our connections, and our relationships. All of us here today, we are the products of our relationships and our connections. The relationships that we had with our parents and our families, with our friends. Some of you may have heard the famous saying, you are the average of your five closest friends. And what this saying means is that if you were to look at the five people that you are closest to, whether they be your friends or your family or whoever, you take those five people and you mush them all into one person, you will be that one person. That's what it suggests. We become like the company we keep and we are shaped by who we connect with and they define who we are and who we are becoming. Our connections dictate who we spend the most time with, where we receive our sense of belonging from and what we leave behind. At funerals, there is often a lot of time spent reminiscing about how the individual touched the lives of the people that, that are there. There is significantly less time worrying about how much wealth that person is leaving behind. When we die, our legacies are defined by the lives that we touch, the relationships that we had, and the connections that we had. If we look at the Bible... In John chapter 13, it's up on the screen. We read from verse 34, Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So Jesus tells his disciples that they will be known by how they love one another, how they love other people. And this is still true of us today. One of the most defining characteristics of us as Christians 
should be how we love other people. Particularly in the world we live in today that's filled with conflict, division, and hatred. We need to stand apart from everybody else and be defined by how we love the world. So that's how we are defined by our relationships and our connections. So hopefully now, with all that said, you can start to see that we are called to connection. How important it is being connected. If it is so entrenched in our souls, so entrenched to the fiber of our being, that we are called to connection, I think it only makes sense that call is from God. It is not good for us to be alone. But this isn't just for social reasons. A lot of what I've listed has been social reasons, but there's other reasons too. Now, I'll be honest, and I'm going to be quite vulnerable with you guys now. I hate social media. It's a terrible thing, mostly. You know, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, Reddit. Some of you don't know what those words are, and that's okay. But I have a, a lot of disdain for these social media apps. And this is where I'm vulnerable with you guys, because even though I profess to hate these apps, I still spend a lot of time on them. <laughs> and I'm really sorry. <laughs> Please don't stone me. <laughs> I still manage to waste quite a significant amount of time scrolling through these apps, trying to get a little dopamine hit from a funny video that lasts five seconds. And 90% of the videos are garbage, but every now and again, there is a funny video that comes up. And every now and again, one of those funny videos is of a baby or a toddler doing something dumb. <laughs> I can sense you guys judging me for this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nothing that gets these kids hurt. It's just stuff like pouring juice and it all misses the cup. And there's just two liters of juice all over the table and all over the floor. Oh, it's just hilarious. I find it so funny that parents, when they see their kids about to do something, rather than stepping in and stopping them, they pull out their phone and record it instead. <laughs> uh, but I think these videos, they inadvertently point us to something greater in that we need guidance. We need guidance. You know, these kids in these videos, they haven't figured out how to do stuff yet, like pouring juice into a cup. They need someone to come alongside them and show them how to do it. We are made for connection, not just for social reasons, but also for guidance. Psychology tells us that one of the ways in which we best learn how to do things is through modeling or observational learning, where we see someone else do something and so we follow suit. We do what they did. Somebody else models how to do something for us, and we copy them. That's observational learning. If you've been a parent, you would have seen this with your own children. You know, as, as they get older, they begin to copy how you do things. They begin to copy your walk, your talk, your mannerisms, which can be incredibly cute, but I imagine also incredibly frustrating at times. <laughs> My guitar teacher modeled playing guitar for me, and so I copied him. 
I did the same. If we don't know how to do something, we look up a YouTube tutorial on how to do it. The same is true of faith. I wholeheartedly believe that faith is a journey we are unable to walk properly by ourselves. But unlike learning a skill, such as playing guitar, a YouTube tutorial won't quite do the trick. We need connection and relationship with people in our lives to show us how to live. Last week, Ken spoke about the prophet Elijah. And Elijah was an incredible dude who did some incredible things. And God instructed him to anoint a young guy by the name of Elisha. All right, so we've got Elijah, Elisha. I'll try to keep those distinct as I continue. So Elijah did just that. He anoints Elisha as a prophet, as his protege. Elisha was originally a farmer, but when Elijah found him, Elisha dropped everything to follow him. Now, we're not told exactly how long Elisha spent under Elijah's mentorship. It's going to get confusing for me. But experts think it may have been around six years. Now, fast forwarding to the passage for today, we read about the end of Elijah's life. He's wandering from place to place under God's direction with Elisha, who refuses to leave his side. The pair stop at a couple of places And each time, Elijah asks Elisha to stay. But every time, Elisha simply responds, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. And this continues a couple of times, until eventually they reach the Jordan River. And Elijah is swept up in a chariot of fire and a whirlwind, leaving Elisha to pick up his mantle. Elisha then goes on to become a great prophet in his own right, performing incredible miracles just as Elijah did. Similarly, before Elijah and Elisha, we read about Moses and Joshua in Deuteronomy. That's my last slide, Bethany, so that's fine. You can just leave that up there. We read about Moses and Joshua in Deuteronomy. Moses was a mentor to Joshua. And once Moses' time was finished, Joshua picked up his mantle. And even the New Testament, Jesus had 12 disciples who took his place once he ascended into heaven. I mention these because they highlight the importance of being connected for the purpose of guidance. Without these connections and the guidance that came with them, these people, Joshua, Elisha, the 12 disciples, they would not have reached their full potential. And the same is true of us. Just as Joshua needed Moses, Elisha needed Elijah, the disciples needed Jesus, we also need connections in our own lives to help guide us along the path of faith. We can try and we can do it, we can try and do it ourselves, but oftentimes when we do that, we can end up with, oh, sorry, We lack the challenges of faith, the challenges that come with being a follower of Jesus. It becomes easier to pick and choose the parts of faith that we like. We never get challenged, and we can end up with a warped 
distorted version of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to follow Jesus. And this can be incredibly destructive. We need people around us, guiding us through the journey, showing us how to live and holding us accountable. Friends, family, mentors. We need people around us. And this is how we reach our full potential, like I was saying before. I know that there are a lot of people who are Christians and they believe they can walk the path of faith alone. They, come, they might come to church on Sundays, they might not, but the rest is between them and God. And I want to stress that there is very little biblical grounding to this approach to faith. All through the Bible, the importance of community, the importance of connection is highlighted. And I've spoken just about a couple of them today. We are designed for relationship and we are called into connection. Now, it's all well and good that we're called into connection, but how do we live that out? It's a great question. Thanks for asking. Here at Gawler Uniting Church, life groups are one of our key ministry priorities. We recognize that life is tough and being a Christian isn't always easy. And we believe that life groups are one of the best ways to get connected to other people and to get connected into the church. Coming to church on Sundays is important. Yes, absolutely, definitely. But we believe, and many other churches believe the same thing, that life groups are far better at keeping people connected. They're far better at building relationships and they're far better at deepening faith. Sunday services are quite surface level where you can come along, you can listen to someone talk about being connected for 30 minutes. But where's the transformation in that? You might have a discussion about it over morning tea, but I can guarantee you, most of you will have forgotten what I was talking about by the time you get in the car to leave. <laughs> Sorry, that's not a dig, that's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> Life groups is where living as a Christian becomes real. It's a place to be open and honest with where you're at, what you're struggling with, what you're celebrating. Life groups help us to build connections with other people and journey through life alongside them. It is not good for us to be alone. I could stand up here and deliver a whole sermon about life groups, and I have, in fact, done that. So if you want to know more about life groups here at Gaul Uniting Church, you can go back, listen to that message. I think I preached it in February, maybe. But otherwise, you can come chat to me after. I was going to call out Anne, but it doesn't look like she's here today. But Anne, he, she's, uh, she's heading out the life group ministry. So if you see her around the place, not today, but another time, then feel free to track her down. She'd love to talk more with you about it. Yep, said that. Cool. So we know that we are called into connection with other people. It is part of our design. It's how we are defined. And it helps us to reach our full potential. But more important than connecting with other people, we are called to connection with God. And this is where I'm going to finish up. It's why Jesus died. 
when sin entered the world, a barrier was put between God and us. And that's what sin does. It separates us from God. But when Jesus gave his life, he tore down those barriers. And we could once again be in relationship with God. And the connection was restored. And this is how much God loves us. That he would send his one and only son, a part of himself, to die so that we could be connected, so that we could be restored to him. More than we are called to connect with one another and with other people, we are called to connect with God. God is calling all of us into connection with him. Maybe you're not connected with him at all. God is calling you to connect. Maybe you're already connected God is calling you to connect deeper, connect further. God is calling all of us to connect. And over the course of this week, over the course of this series, I invite you to take some time and think and pray about the ways in which God is calling you to connect. How can you better connect with the people around you? How can you better connect with God? What that looks like, I'll leave that up to you. But remember, life groups. I, would, I just want to stress one more time, life groups are important. They help you connect with the church, with other people, and with God. So if you're not already part of a life group, come, come chat to me. Uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you about what that looks like. But for now, just remember, we are called to connection. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we, we thank you that you're a God who doesn't call us to do life alone. You're not a God who calls us to do faith alone. But God, you invite us and you call us into deeper relationships into deeper connection with the people around us and with you. God, I pray that as we go into our weeks that you would make us acutely aware as to where you are calling us to connect, whether it be with someone new, whether it be with the people we are already connected with, or God, even with you. God, help us to connect in deep and meaningful ways that's beneficial to us and our souls. Thank you for all that you've done for us, God. In your name we pray. Amen.